Upworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. Hello, everybody. This is the Upworthy Podcast, and my name is Todd Perry. I'm a staff writer at Upworthy. And with me is the wonderful, super fantastic Allison Rosen. You know her. You know her from her podcast, uh, Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend, and Childish with her co-host, Greg Fitzsimmons. You may remember her as the former uh, co-host on the Joe Rogan Experience. It is uh, Allison Rosen. Happy to have you here. Something like that. Hello. How are you feeling, Todd Perry? Uh, I'm feeling great. Uh, the COVID has passed, and I think it just went through me in almost like like a purification ritual. I think it, it got rid of also all the bad in with me. It was, you know, out with the jive and with the love is how I am. Wow. Right Look at you. Only you could be improved by COVID. Yes, yes. I I don't have I have short haul, I guess, cuz it just went right away. <laughs> my god. That is so upworthy of you. It is. I think it's just my constant uh, you know, creation positivity. Co- constant positivity, constantly being the king of good news. Uh it, it's I'm also the king of good health, evidently. Well, I'm happy for you cuz I was thinking today, I feel like all in all, it took about a month for my whole family to be over it. Just the sort of physical and just the inconvenient. I mean, and by the way, I feel very lucky because there's plenty of people for whom it was much worse than a month. Um, but then there's a lot of annoying people, you being one of them, where it was just a few days. Uh, so, yeah, it was like a, a month-long situation uh, to, to feel like where we have sort of recovered from it. So it was not fun. Um, but anyway, I'm happy for you that it was no big deal, even though I'm also not happy for you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I uh, mean that as a, fr- as a good friend. I know. I know. Uh, well, my, my buddy Oscar used to always say, the only thing that brings me more joy than my own personal success is the failure of others. <laughs> it's, it's so honest. I'm joking-ish. Just real fast, because I want to get to the stories, because uh, we have some great ones this week. But I just want to real quickly say I uh, am just slightly disappointed with our listenership this week, because last week you shared just an insane, an insane ranking of what you, someone who prides themselves on cooking, claim are the five grossest vegetables. And I was like, just breaking pencils and steam was coming out of my ears. I, it was insane to me, this list. And you have actually found some support among people who claim to be supporters of me. Yeah. They have betrayed me uh, one by one. And then they claim to still be supporters of me. And I'm like, no, you got to choose. So I was just shocked and dismayed at the way that went down, I thought that I would find more people who also agreed that zucchini was unfairly maligned because I think zucchini is delicious. It's one of my favorite vegetables. And you put it at number two most disgusting vegetable in the world, which is just, excuse, excuse me. It's insane to me. So I just had to get that off my chest. Well, you know, the people have spoken, Allison. And again, arugula, pumpkin, Zucchini, beets. No. Each one of those is beautiful in its own way, Todd. These were, and there was one more that I just, that I was just saying, get off my plate. Asparagus. Oh, yeah, you're with your catchphrase, asparagus. You had no use for asparagus. I enjoy all of them. I think I eat beets the least, but I, I don't find, I don't have a problem with any, oh, yeah, you had a problem with lima beans. I don't have a problem with any of those vegetables. Well, I mean, maybe you should reconsider them, or maybe you're just not eating them often enough, or maybe people are like wrapping them in bacon, so you don't know that you're eating a disgusting lima bean. You think you're eating pork? Um, no, I don't know. That's uh, you don't know me at all. I would. I ate zucchini plain or with egg whites for a long time. I haven't had zucchini in a while, but it was like a staple of my diet for a really long time. I have nothing but love for my zucchinis. Get off my plate is is all I'm saying. <laughs> And you know, and, and the thing was, it was like I've often said that the in, the really 
big fans of Allison are, are cultish, and I've, I've referred to it as the cult of Allison before. But here's the thing. The cult of Allison, it's starting to kind of loosen up a little bit, and I think they're, they're starting to enjoy uh, our wonderful back and forth on this show. And I think some of them, it's not becoming a cult of Todd. It's nothing like that. It's just they're appreciating me. And, you know, maybe they can like me and like you. Like, they don't have to, like, like you 100% and hate me. I think they Isn't can that, enjoy shouldn't that be Shouldn't that be my call? As the leader here, shouldn't that be my call, whether they can like you and like me? I don't feel that I've signed off on this. Well, I mean, uh, clearly your hand as a cult leader is not that strong. Uh, that's that's what I discovered when I found that they were uh, supporting you and your insane vegetable opinions. This is more about you not tending to your flock, okay? And that's why some sheep are straying. Do you know who Teal Swan is? This is not particularly upworthy, but uh, there is a doc. Look, I'm not someone who's like deep in the I've got to watch all documentaries about cult leaders, but she's sort of a TikTok, um, YouTube millennial cult leader with a question mark. Uh, and there's this documentary, I believe it was on Hulu called Deep Water that a guest on my podcast recommended. And it was kind of, it was fascinating. Um, she's definitely not a, I mean, there's people out there who would say she helped them, I'm sure, but she's like a very questionable suspect figure. But anyway, uh, I guess my only point is she's a very suspicious cult leader figure and uh, she rules her flock with an iron fist. Like she would, she would not allow a Todd Perry figure to begin peeling people off vis-a-vis vegetables. Mm-hmm. You would be excommunicated because she would see you for the threat that you are. Well, you know what? A true cult leader knows one truth. And it all starts, it doesn't start in the head. It starts in the stomach. <laughs> now, Allison, uh, what do we got in the stories today? All right, Todd, have you ever seen a super comfy, round dog bed and thought to yourself, I wish I could nestle into a human size one of those, or I wish I could shrink and be a dog size person and sleep in one of those? Well, uh, perhaps if your wish was the former. Now it has come true. Two students in Vancouver have created a human-sized dog bed. Uh, their names are Noah Silverman and Yuki Kinoshita, and they have created a super comfortable-appearing human-sized dog bed, and it is called the Pluffle. And it took me a few tries to figure out what it was called because at first I was reading it as the Ploofy. P-L-U, it's P-L-U-F-L. I personally feel Ploofy is a decent name. If they consulted me, I would have said, go with Ploofy. That's what my gut says, but it is that. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. It's the Ploofle. No. And they were on Jimmy Fallon. Or no, Jimmy Fallon was talking about it on his show. He was pronouncing it Pluffle, so lo and behold, it's Pluffle. But anyway, here's uh, what they say about the Pluffle. The Pluffle is a premium napping bed engineered to provide the optimal napping experience. Uh, It is created to maximize comfort and foster a sense of security, delivering relief for those who have ADHD, stress, and anxiety-related issues, and fleas. They didn't actually (laughs) say fleas. A nap in the Pluffle will boost your mood and have you feeling refreshed. Uh, it does this. All of this does not come cheap, though. Uh, so the pluffle costs three hundred ninety nine dollars for one and seven hundred ninety nine dollars for two. And currently, it uh, ships to the U.S. and Canada. And this was like a crowdfunded thing. It they raised tons of money on Kickstarter and also Indiegogo. So the pluffle. There you go. I'm going to create my own called the Ploofy, though, because I like that name better. You're going to have like the rip off one. Yeah. Version. It's You're going to like the, the bargain. The, Betamax version. <laughs> yeah, the Zune. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that this is right up your alley because you've often said that right after podcasting, your greatest skill is napping. Napping, yeah. Oh, my God. And I haven't been napping lately. I mean, I know this is really in, how's, how, in where we rank our week, but for whatever reason, I haven't really been napping. So I deserve a big nap in a big donut bed. A pluffle, pluffle, ploofy, pluffy, pluffle, whatever it is. I yeah. Um, it looks. When I first read about it, I thought, okay, so it's just a big bed. And then I saw a picture of it, and I was like, oh no, no, it is more. When you see 
the person nestled in it and the way the bed just envelops mm-hmm. them. And there's like mm-hmm. a special little area for your head. And I mean, it really, it looks so, if a bed could snuggle you, that's what this is. It looks amazing. Amazing. Yeah, the, thing, the thing that really knocked me out about it is that it's it's got like four inches of memory foam in it. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like, you know, it's going to conform to your body. It's going to cradle yeah. you. You're going to get that good feeling like you get off of a, uh, you know, not not the sleep number bed. Not the sleep, because we know that's an air mattress. It's just an right. elevated air mattress, people. Uh, I'm talking about like a good, you know, Tempur-Pedic kind of thing. You're going to get that support. And mm-hmm. uh, sleep like a dog. Uh I was, I was thinking about getting one of these for not for a nap, but for my eternal rest. Oh, okay, for your uh, dirt nap. Yeah, you know, like if you go to if you go to Russia, uh, they have like Vladimir Lenin is in like kind of a sarcophagus type of thing, and yes, and he's si- yes. he's in there he's in I'm like aware a see- of this. yeah he's in a see through coffin and. You could go, and I like the fact there's a whole, I think, a documentary on this. Some guy's job is keeping Lennon looking good. Mm-hmm. And he's laying there comfortably, you know, in his in his bed, and people can go see Lennon. And then I was thinking, like, when I die, and, you know, all of my, you know, followers and everybody like that, they... Um, you, mean my, you, mean, you mean my former followers? I, there's The room, ones you, you stole can, from me? You could be in two cults. You could be in two cults. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, maybe, oh, you know, here's the deal. Let's say you go running towards a wall and you think that it, it there's a black circle on it and you think that you could run through the wall. <laughs> happens to be that someone just painted it on there and yes. then you then you die. Now, we mm-hmm. have, you know, like Kim Jong-il, Kim Il-sung, and it goes mm-hmm. through. Like, I could be the Kim Jong-un to your Kim Il-sung. You're going to have to connect the dots for me more. Like in North Korea, one guy dies and then the next person is the dear leader. Like I okay. could sit. Oh, and, and I see. If you're you gonna, were to die, then I inherit You have designs cult. on taking over my reign is what you're saying. Yeah, but here's the thing. I pledge absolute loyalty to you. I don't trust you until, one bit. Until you're on eventful <laughs> death by those closest to you who, you know, right. try to get rid of you. Yeah, um, you're going to feed me to dogs or something. Probably. Uh, <laughs> I see where this is going, and I don't think I like it. So anyway, tell me. So what you're saying though is that you're not gonna you're not gonna be uh, preserved in lucite. You're just gonna be nestled in a human sized pluffle. Yeah, it's gonna be my a golden pluffle, and I'm gonna be with my my teddy bear who now has mm-hmm. one eye, which is a whole different story. We can't even get into that right now. But and I'm just gonna be me and my teddy. And I'm gonna be laying in eternal rest in this beautiful ornate pluffle. I like it. A special ornate pluffle. Upworthy Weekly. Ryan... (laughs) (laughs) Ryan Reynolds makes hilariously good case why Disney classics like Bambi should be rated R. Disney Plus recently announced it will add some R-rated movies to the streaming service for the first time, including Deadpool, which I haven't seen, Deadpool 2, I haven't seen it. And Logan. Previously, the service only featured films rated PG-13 and below. Ryan Reynolds, the star of Deadpool, announced the addition of the films on Twitter, but he also joked that some of Disney's classic animated films that are G-rated should earn an R rating for, quote, irreversible trauma, including Snow White, Old Yeller, The Lion King, and Bambi. He called out Snow White because he's pretty sure that the diamonds aren't, quote, cruelty-free, and for borderline polyandry between Snow White and the dwarves. Old Yeller deserves an R rating for the, quote, ugly cry-inducing straight-up murder of the titular dog. Spoiler alert. And uh, Bambi should be reconsidered for the, quote, cold-blooded killing of an innocent deer mom. Also, spoiler alert. I guess you're supposed to say spoiler alert before... I think you are, yeah. Okay. Right. Well, I didn't that's go to broadcasting him. school like you did. Oh, so, okay. so that's you saying spoiler alert, not him. Correct. Yeah, Todd, get it together. Finally, spoiler he says, alert comes first. Says that the Lion King, 
spoiler alert, should receive a harder rating because of, quote, fratricide and mauling. But I've got I've got notes for everyone involved here. You messed up the spoiler alerts, but these are old movies. And then to Ryan Reynolds, I would say it's the rule of three. So he's got three solid ones, but lose the Snow White one because that joke's not that strong. I mean, it's okay, but also like the other three, those I get what he's saying, and that it's emotionally resonant. Whereas Snow White, it doesn't it doesn't make sense that it would get an R rating. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds, get your act together. Wow. Allison Rosen, humorist, explains why things are funny and why things are not funny. <laughs> I'm going to see you at a panel at the Paley Center sitting next to Dick Cavett and Dick Gregory. That's and, me. Uh, Between two dicks. <laughs> it's your new... Podcast, yeah, between two dicks, ladies um, and gentlemen. It, it's between two dicks, Dick Gregory, Dick Cabot, and everybody's best friend, Allison Rosen. And now we're gonna talk about the film career of Fatty Arbuckle, who I recently learned how he died. It's pretty tragic. Wait, no, that's not. Oh, sorry. I am totally, <laughs> I am completely mixing up my overweight people from a long time ago. I'm thinking of the overweight little rascal. That's a tragic story from a long time ago. Do you know that story? Way off topic, but how did he die? He uh, underwent some very early version of weight loss surgery. And then I don't know what happened, but like it went horribly wrong and he died. Uh-huh. Is my understanding of it. Do your own research, people. It was some like, but it was some tragic thing where he was like made fun of, you know, on screen for his weight. But he, from what I read, what I took from it was like clearly he did not want to be overweight. He wanted to be of average weight, so he underwent this surgery, um, you know, and then it it didn't go well because they had not perfected any of that yet. I don't know. It, it was very tragic to me. Fatty Arbuckle, he's the one who had the whole scandal, right? Allegedly murdered a woman. Yeah. Um, anyway, okay, let's get back to what we were talking about. We're talking about Disney movies that were traumatizing. Ryan Reynolds made yeah. some questionable jokes about it, according to Allison, the arbiter of comedy <laughs> here. I'm sorry. Um, so Allison, you know, made, made some jokes about it, trying to get a Mark Twain award or something. And mm. uh, so then I, I was asking Allison if... You know, these films, though, are, like, traumatizing. There are ones that yeah. I mentioned in the piece, like Pinocchio, when he starts... Pinocchio, when he starts turning into a donkey and the ears yes. come out. Like, Alarming. that's frightening. Bambi's mom, when she gets it from an AR-15, mm-hmm. that's terrible. So, are there any Disney films that pers- that traumatized yes. you, Alison Rose? Yes. Okay. There was a movie called The Great Mouse Detective. Is No. Is that what it was called? The Great Mouse Detective? Have you heard yeah. of this movie? Yeah, later they called it Basil of Baker Street, I think. It has like yeah. two titles. I remember I remember seeing it in the theater when I was a kid. Okay, so I remember um watching it in we, at school. It was like a they would bring in the projector and they were or I I think it was the kind of thing where they brought in the projector and we all sat on the ground and watched it and it was like projected against a wall or maybe they like brought in the VC, you know, the, the TV set on a VCR, they like on that trolley cart thing. But, um, I just remember there, didn't they kidnap the daughter of some prominent ma- uh, cat or something? I don't know, but there was, was there torture involved in it? it? There was something very dark about it and I found it very disturbing. Um, and I know that later, I went and looked it up. I feel like there was something like sadistic or or torturous. There was some whole plot about it or there was someone kidnapped or I don't know. There was something very dark about it. And I and I was like, what was that? And I went and looked it up thinking that I would read how it was just like what a misfire that movie was. But instead, it got really good reviews. But I know that I found it very upsetting. Do you remember anything about it? I don't I don't remember it being necessarily upsetting. But I remember around the same time they made the Black Cauldron, which I think they mm-hmm. said it was so dark that they had to chop out like 15 minutes of it because there's all these like demonic sequences in it. Right. 
it was in this whole period where Disney was like, let's do some really dark crap. And yeah. and it, like everything they put out had elements of that. I don't know if it was just dumb luck or it was a strategy. Because I was thinking of when I was a kid and I saw a movie that actually I really love, but it is a severely jacked up movie, Return to Oz. That is so dark. Yeah, like the movie begins with, you know, Kids, everybody went in going to, oh, it's a sequel to The Wizard of Oz, which is like right. a happy, 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 joy, joy film. There's dark stuff. You, know, you got flying monkeys and whatnot. And, and that uh, witch. Uh, but so scary. But, <laughs> but Dorothy in the beginning, played by Feruza Balk. First of all, you're like, wait, she's not 16. She's like eight. And she gets, she's getting shock therapy in Kansas because she can't stop talking about Oz because she has like PTSD. Mm-hmm. And she winds up in Oz. The Emerald City has been taken over by evil. And like a- a- all the happy people of Emerald City are like uh, frozen in concrete. And then there are no munchkins to be, fa- to be found. It was like there's some kind of like munchkin genocide and like there was like a mass grave somewhere you know by the deadly desert or something Mm -hmm. like there are no munchkins and then dorothy gets kidnapped by a headless witch named mombi who has all these heads that she has in a cabinet and she like picks up other heads and puts them on her 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 neck is scary and then like a rock king tries to turn De- dorothy into a knickknack and it's like it's a it's a very dark uh, film it's very well made actually but it's like yeah talk about like misfire and like right. not what anybody wanted or expected but it, it's yeah. unique in its own way even et which is you know a class that's not disney but a classic i was young and saw that in the theater and that scared me i was too young when i saw that Oh, same. Yeah. Um, and also another one that from Disney was The Black Hole. You ever see The Black Hole? I don't think I saw that. I don't think I saw that one. So it's like in, like Disney like put the movie out because of Star Wars. So like, this will be our Star Wars. <laughs> and it's like, you know who's going to star? Anthony Perkins, Norman Bates. <laughs> Family-friendly Anthony Perkins. And Ernest Borgnine. Hmm. And, and Robert Forster from Jackie Brown, who is as cool as they come, really. But And he's like the Han Solo kind of guy. But uh, and, and the film is like, these people, they find a ghost ship run by zombies that's getting ready oh, to wow. go into a black hole. Anthony Perkins gets ran through by like this evil robot that has a razor bl- like big blades on his hand. It just oh, runs geez. through his chest, oh my killing gosh. him. Um, and then at the end, it has this whole like psychedelic sequence where they go through the black hole. Spoiler alert! And Todd. the good guys go through like heaven, and the bad guys go to hell. And, oh wow! Like, the evil robot sits on a hill, like in hell, overlooking like these. Like zombies that worship her, like cult members, like people who have the Allison Rosen uh, weekend getaways. Okay, and that is a f- fun weekend. There's nothing problematic about it. They get together and meet each other, and they talk about how much they like my show. Okay, Todd. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, and I've been invited. They invited me to stop by. Yeah. Um, so in the end, you know, Disney put out a lot of creepy stuff, and we were all traumatized by it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and but now the joy is putting my child through the experience and sitting watching them. Like, okay, here's the hell scene. Like, here come the nightmares. Don't you warn your? Don't you try to protect your child? You monster. Upworthy Weekly. Here's a very heartwarming story. Uh, An artist named Nikki, who has Down syndrome, uh, made a whole... She dedicated her whole gallery to Weird Al Yankovic because she is just the consummate fan. And she just... uh, So into him. Warning. The following story is super wholesome. Its sheer goodness may cause some to regain their faith in humanity and to burst into uncontrollable tears of joy. All right, I I am in I no don't... state to have this sprung on me. You know. 
You know, this gives me a heart attack. Look, I don't, I, it just goes off itself. I think, I think Joseph R. Upworthy's put some kind of AI, some kind of self-actualized being, computer being, that can uh, identify when something is super wholesome. And then that way, we want the audience to know, look, this is going to be emotional. This is going to be a ride. It's like, they should play that before that Sarah McLaughlin one-eyed dog yeah. commercial, you know, wholesomeness alert or trigger warning, you're, 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 you're going to dehydrate yourself in tears. You know. Is it triggered by me, though? Because like people fool polygraphs, if I fill my head with dark, unwholesome thoughts, could I fool it? Do you think? Mm. We can try it in the future. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> I'm going to have to outsmart the AI. So anyway. Uh, but, but you know what? Actually, it yes. might be a gaslighting AI. It oh, might be, no. and, and so sometimes when you have dark thoughts, mm -hmm. it's going to go off, and sometimes oh, no. it's not. Oh, and you're going to think you could control it, but you really can't. Uh, I, don't, I don't have what it takes to do this. To, I don't have what it takes to go up against this. This is like war games, to bring in a timely reference, to go up against this supercomputer. Uh have you actually met Joseph R. Upworthy, or is this like with the Wizard of Oz, bringing it back to the story we just did? Yeah, well, it's kind of like the table, as I've said, is really long when you're mm -hmm. at the end of the table. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's like a, a dinner table at Hearst Castle. So he's way at the end. Mm -hmm. You can hear him uh, when he's talking to me, and he's like, Todd, stop doing so many stories about dogs. <laughs> and then he, he kind of... Yells at me, and then, but then I just, he's kind of in a shadow. There's a very large fireplace behind him. So you haven't painting. seen him. You think you have. You don't know if you have. I mean, it, from a distance. And, and there's, there's a painting of his father, uh, Joseph R. Upworthy Sr., like mm. right behind him, looking very right. noble with his hand in his shirt like Napoleon. Got it. Um, yeah. So Nikki, super into Weird Al Yankovic, dedicated a whole uh, art gallery exhibit to him. And there's a video of this. And it was her birthday. And at the end of the video about the exhibit and her parents are interviewed talking just about how special she is as an artist and as a person and, um, you know, about her art and uh, her as an artist, at the end, she receives uh, a video message from, you want to guess who it's from? I feel like you might be able to guess. Nikki? Okay. Nikki to Mars? Hey, how you doing? It's your close personal friend, Weird Al Yankovic. But you can just call me Al, it's okay. I, I, I just wanted to wish you happy birthday. I'm so excited. We've been celebrating like crazy here all week long because of your birthday. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day. Hey, I, I saw the picture of your wall with all the great artwork. Amazing. It's I'm so impressed and so flattered. Uh, excellent work. Thank you so much. Have a great, great day. We're thinking of you. Keep in touch. Uh, and then you can you can kind of hear her reaction in the background. Super cute. That's really sweet. You know, I when he says, you're close personal friend, Weird Al Yankovic, I just thought, I want to be close personal friends with Weird Al Yankovic. Yes. I'm sure he's like the best buddy to have. Like, hey, come on over, bring the accordion, let's mm -hmm. hang out, you know? And, he, and he'd just be like a great guy, and he'd be like a good listener, and he wouldn't be all like egomaniac, like, hey, I wrote like a surgeon. No, he, he'd just be like... He's a chill, a chill he's, guy. Um, I've never met him, but I know people who know him, uh, and he's supposed to be super. He's he's everything you want him to be. From what I've heard, he's like super nice and down to earth, and just like the nicest, bestest guy is what I've heard. Oh, yeah. I you know what? If it came out, if some kind of like Bill Cosby thing came out about Weird Al, I'd throw myself off a bridge. I'd be like, yeah. I, yeah. But I, I was thinking about this that. Obviously, he's a great human being and wonderfully talented. And one of those people that, like, every generation has their Weird Al. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, but Weird Al is still, he's still the same all right. the way through. Right. You know, whether it's like, I'm like, eat it era Weird Al, you know, 
like somebody else might be all about white and nerdy, maybe a millennial. And then Gen Z is probably all about that song he did about grammar recently, which was good. I don't even think I know that one. Yeah. I got to look uh, that up. But I can't wait till like my son gets his Weird Al moment mm-hmm. where Weird Al makes fun of somebody. And then he comes to me and he's like, you heard about this guy, Weird Al? I'd be like, bro, bro. You know, that's a moment of passage. I think every kid is like nine. <laughs> they go through passage, their Weird yes. Al You thing. can drink beer together and talk about Weird Al. Yeah. And then I'd be like, have you heard Eat It? Or, you know, and then he'll be like, why is this funny? Because they won't know the original song or be like, have you heard Yoda? <laughs> yo, 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 Yoda, you know? Upworthy Weekly. Legendary Norman Lear celebrates his 100th birthday by sharing some words of wisdom. And uh, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, Norman Lear was the creator of sitcoms such as The Jeffersons, All in the Family, and Good Times. My personal favorite, Facts of Life. Oh, did he create that? He did, yeah. Wow. Uh, Different strokes, too, am I Mm -hmm. right? That's right. Uh, And so it's going to be his 100th birthday. It was his 100th birthday this week, and so... He did, uh, he gave like a, a little thing on Instagram, like a little Instagram video. And I guess normally he does his quote, breakfast thoughts. Uh, and this time he decided to do it uh, with sharing his, his words of wisdom after, you know, becoming 100 years old. And I thought to myself, like, like, Allison, you know, after you had that phone call with the, uh, the people at the pharmacy who thought you were about 82-ish, Oh my God! You know, yes. So they misheard. 82. I had to give them my. Uh, I had to give them my birth date so they could identify me, and she thought that I said I was born in nineteen forty-five or thirty-five or something, and I was like, "How how old do I sound?" Go ahead. So I mean, even for somebody in in her eighties. Uh, Somebody who's a hundred has, has still has like way more wisdom. If I were, th- yeah, if if I if that were true and I was that old, I could still receive wisdom from Norman Lear. Yeah. So Norman Lear, are you ready for this? This is his big piece of advice. Of all the things he's learned over a hundred years, making tons and tons of great television. Uh, San, the guy made Sanford and Son. Okay. So here's his advice. So let's I've been doing breakfast thoughts, and I guess my breakfast thought at the moment is, uh, is the moment. Every person who is seeing me now, some are seeing me within months of my saying this, some are likely to see this years after I have said this, but whenever all of you are seeing it, that will be the moment you're seeing it, as this is the moment I'm seeing it. And what that means to me is living in the moment, the moment between past and present, or present and past, the moment between after and next the hammock in the middle of after and next, the moment. Treasure it. Use it with love. um, Now, how does one, how do you integrate living in the, like, the moment using the moment with love, the hammock between after and next, and also napping. <laughs> Would you say napping well, is using a moment with love? It is, but it's you're, you're kind of checked out of the moment. Mm-hmm. You're not in the moment. Right. You're not, as Norman Lear said, you're not on the hammock between what happened and what's next. Mm-mm. So, Allison... I've never been in I mean, a moment. I, I've done a lot of work on myself as, you know, uh, as the host of What's This Dow All About? Yeah. And um, a person, I don't brag about it, but as a person who's a regular meditator, uh, I've tried to really learn how to live in the moment. I've, I've read The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. 
multiple times. Okay. And that's taught me how to keep, as they, they say, the, as you know, the Taoist sages say, the Tao is constantly returning. And it's all about returning. Is that one of those like, just, just, just bring it back. Your thoughts are driven. Just bring it back. Just bring it back. Do they say that bullshit? Excuse. Oh my God. Oh. Oh my God. Oh, what just happened to me? <sighs> so they say Lao Tzu, the de- Wow. Mm. We got a lot of work to do. You can't, you can't even control it. You can't even control it. You're just so. But maybe you're just so in the now and so in the moment that you don't even contemplate the future ramifications of your, your deeds. I'm sorry. But as I say, you know, as Lao Tzu, the Taoist, the uh, kind of main main guy of Taoism, says, "Those that live in the future are anxious, mm. and those who live in the past are depressed." Mm, so, it's both are you me. living? I'm I'm both of them. So, but so you're just not on the hammock of the now, of the before of the now. You're you are you're either ahead of yourself or behind yourself. I'm straddling the hammock. I'm just uncomfortable, and I am not. Ba- and I'm gonna fall. So I'm wondering. I, you know, I think that I can get you on the hammock. But Let's do it. I, the the thing is, getting getting right through you in your conscious mind because you have a lot of blockages going on. I could see you making that defensive look that you make, <laughs> where you, you smile, but your smile says "bring it, bring it." And then you've got a curse word ready too, and you're like, "Bring it, let's do it." So okay. what I want, I want, I, I gotta get you, like, just in. Oh I gotta God. get you on. <laughs> I gotta get. Oh, we're back. I gotta in get the, you. Wasn't I in a store with a tote bag or something last time? With Gandhi on it. Yeah, yeah we're back. At, I'm back in it. that store now. And this time we're gonna we're gonna need you to get on the bath mat in my bathroom. For your naked meditation. All right. All right. I want you to realize, Allison, that there is no past. Breathe in. I want you to realize, Allison, there is no future. Now, with that understanding, we're going to go find the hammock of the now. But first, subscribe on Patreon. What's this Tao all about? You'll get three guided meditations from Dr. Carl Totten. So I want you to enter an area that is inside of you, that it's inside of all of us, known as the cave of consciousness. Are you in the cave? I'm in the cave. You might notice the cave is a little chilly. Did you say hilly? Chilly. Oh, chilly. (laughs) Okay, I'm in a cold cave inside myself. But now also, you hear a growling sensation. What is that? Is it my stomach? It's a bear. What? The bear is hibernating. And what's it on? The ca- the mountain of consciousness? It's on a hammock. What is going on in the topography of my insides? I need you to push the bear off the hammock. Because the bear is the you that's sleeping, that's your defenses. You need to push the bear off the hammock and get on the hammock. Is the hammock in the cave or near the cave? It's in the cave, yes. Well, how big is this cave? cave? It's huge. Oh it's my your God. consciousness, which is universal, Allison. Oh. But you don't even know that. I'm you picturing have the cave. Yeah, no, I was picturing a small cave. So You're useless. <laughs> you know, you're useless. Todd... <sighs> Don't abandon me. I'm trying to push a bear off of a hammock in a small cave, and I pictured the wrong kind of cave. We'll resume this later. <laughs> I'm getting mauled by a bear. Upworthy Weekly. All right. I, we do have work to do. Upworthy Weekly. There we go. 
There we go. Now we're out of that bit. <laughs> I'm we have still work in to the do bit. on our bit. I'm still in the bit. I need, do you have like, you know, when you bring someone out of hypnosis, I need like a, some kind of thing to bring me out. You like a gong? Yeah. Wait, how's this? Perfect. Here I am. Okay. As a humorist, I'm sure you'd appreciate that. Thank you very much. And now here's something I'm going <laughs> to surprise Allison with because I didn't talk to her about it. I was recently on a podcast called The Best Advice Show, uh, starring a guy named Zach Rosen. No relation. Who is not related. No. Yes. And uh, what he and basically his podcast is he has people come on and share their best advice that they ever have, and it's like a five minute thing. And and I was on there talking about uh, actually advertising in a weird way. Uh, so, but I was listening to his show. I was like, this show is pretty damn upworthy. So I said, hey Zach, send me some like one minute clips of the best advice on your show. And we'll we'll share them with the audience. So real quick, here is some of the of the best advice from the Best Advice Show with Zach Rosen. Thanks, Allison and Todd. My first piece of advice comes from a guy named Jeff Leitner. He's a social innovator. And if you are feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders right now, you don't really know what to do with it, this advice might help. I get asked pretty frequently about how to choose among all the various problems that need our attention. Mm -hmm. You know, we think we're going to volunteer at a local soup kitchen and then Putin invades Ukraine. Or, you know, we're going to support the local PTA and then we have insomnia and, and, you know, in the middle of the night, there's an ad from Sarah McLaughlin and dogs are being tortured. And if we were only a good person, then we'd save the dogs. Will you be an angel for a helpless animal? Every day, innocent animals are abused. Or we decide to do anything and there's Greta Thunberg who reminds us that, you know, there's an existential threat that is even worse than anything going on right now. Yeah. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. So uh, what I tell people when they describe this problem to me is I tell them I, I tell them to notice their outrage or what makes them tear up. To go in the direction of the thing that really moves you. And it's because doing gar- good is really hard. And it's really helpful to have something to keep your energy up, to keep your hopes up. And then when somebody asks you to support something else that isn't this thing, that is powered by your outrage, then just tell them politely that you've already committed to something and that you want to see it through. something great happened this week that you just have to share with the world tell us about it by emailing us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com allison rose on a scale of one through five rate your week one being terrible five being wicked awesome <laughs> I'm going to give this week uh, a 3.5, 3. 3.8, 3.8. It was, mm. it was fine. No, 3.5. It was fine. Okay. Yeah, it was fine. Um, I feel, I'm feeling better. I actually left the house for the first time in a long time. I did get tired really quickly and I don't know. I'm in that zone where I'm like, is it COVID? Is it just that I'm like out of practice being a person again? Um, but, uh, the kids are back in school, which is nice. We have our babysitter back, which has been great. Um, I feel very disorganized, but in general, like, you know, doing shows, which have been good and just kind of like coming back to life, getting ready for, uh, LA to start kindergarten. So yeah, it's been, it was, it was a fine week. Nothing major, nothing bad. Fine week. Are you a better person than you were last week? Uh, yeah, for two reasons. One uh, something small happened with Daniel, but it was annoying me and I was sitting there feeling annoyed. And then I thought, what if instead of being annoyed, I exercised compassion? Uh, and I thought wow. that's gross. 
go me. And the other one is, uh, and I would like your opinion on this. I was getting ready to record an episode of Childish, and I looked in my coffee, and there were two small deceased flies. And so I, I fished them out with a spoon, but I thought I should just pour this coffee out and make a new cup. But I was a little bit late, and I said to Daniel and to our babysitter, I told them, and they both were like, I would just drink it. I, now, I, I don't know if they hate me. Uh, so I'm like, fine. And I did drink it, but would, what would you have done? Well, I think, first of all, as the leader of a cult, I'd be afraid of any potential assassination attempt and the potential like dead. I should have had them take a sip first. I should have had I should hire a taster. Yeah, but it's how they got Khrushchev. At the very least, I should have had them take a sip first. Like, oh, you would have. Okay, well, I'm going to need to see you take a sip like at the airlines. Um, But yeah, no, I'm still here and I'm fine. Uh but I'm just saying, on the one hand, I feel like that's growth. On the other hand, I feel like maybe it's not because maybe I'm just a pushover because I wanted to start over because I was like, life's, if I'm really living in the hammock, wouldn't I just make a new cup because it's a little bit gross, even though it's wasteful? On the other hand, you know, eventually we're all going to be eating bugs. It's our new food source. Yeah, you know, I I would go 100% on make a new pot of coffee. Because yeah. the beans, the proverbial beans are already ground. And the actual beans are already ground. So making more, or if you, if you already had a pot made, then you don't want it to go to waste. Right. Uh, and yeah, so you, and the flies are already dead. So it's not like you're saving the life of flies. Right. Um, no, it really, so it, I, honestly, I had already like put in my artificial sweetener and my milk and my cream. I mean, it was, but it, who, but also who cares? You know, it, it would, it was slightly wasteful, not totally wasteful. But I ended I'm up, I'm changing my mind. A I ended up drinking the fly juice. The, the, the souls of the flies might be in me now. That's weird. That's so strange. And at the, <laughs> that's like when you get them in your ear. Oh God! You I've never ears. had one in my ear. But my mom had a bee in her ear once, or something—a wasp in her ear. It was a true nightmare. I just like when you show up at the next cult of Allison meeting, and you're gonna show up, and you're gonna have like your arms out, and you're gonna be like, "Behold, the fly queen." Yes, I have morphed into my true self and you, you do like, like a reverse jeff I have thousands of eyes and yeah and ton of antennae to see, yes to see all of you yes what you do. <laughs> uh todd what about you on a scale of one to five one being flies in your coffee but you dislike it and five being flies in your coffee but for some reason you like it where's your weak rank uh, you know what? We're three point five twinsies Ooh, this week. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was basically, you know, sometimes you just you have no drama. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was I was trying to think of what was on my mind, and nothing. The other day, I was like, think about what's on your mind. Oh, you had to tell yourself to and think were, about what was on your mind. Yeah, I told myself to think about what was on my mind, and there was nothing on my mind. Hmm. So it meant, you know, there was no bubbling under gurgling sensation of of, of doom right. or dread or sadness. I felt like my consciousness was clear. It was just like a a, a chill week. Um, I went to the the drive in and I saw Nope. Oh, the new Jordan did Peele you like movie. it? I really liked it. I liked it a lot more. I didn't like Us, the one he made before mm-hmm. that. I thought that was kind of uh, whatever. But uh, Get Out, of course, was very good because uh, it had my future wife, Michelle Williams, in it. Um, Michelle Williams? That's... Allison Williams. No, Michelle. Well, it, yes, it had Allison Williams. Yeah. Love that. I l- really liked that movie. But nope, I really liked. And then also it was a good week media-wise because I have, I have serious XM radio. And they, they had a Beach Boys station, mm-hmm. 
We're all summer mm-hmm. playing Beach Boys, and it you know it's not just the hits. It's not just you know California girls all day. They'll dive in deep into some like seventies stuff that's like pretty good. It's like the coked up Beach Boys era, and um, and yeah, and it was just like. I felt like when I'm driving around listening to the Beach Boys, I'm having a hot white boy summer, <laughs> and uh, everybody can eat eat my dust because <laughs> I'm in my moment. Yeah. you know. Oh, that sounds so, that sounds great. Yes. Uh, yeah. Good for you. And are you a better person this yeah. week than the week before? I also wasn't a good person because uh, my son got to see me get angry at a stranger. What happened? Well, this was actually today. This was, I was picking my kid up from camp. Uh, what what happened was today I received literally fifteen spam calls on my phone, mm. starting at six fifty nine in the morning. I've gotten spam, and from one number they called me like five times. Mm. Number in Berkeley, California. So I'm in the car with my son, and I just couldn't handle it anymore. I just like you start getting anxious, like the bzz, yeah, bzz, 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 you know, noise. And um, so finally, I was like, I'm gonna pick up the phone. And the guy picks up, he goes hello, and I was like, Could you please stop <laughs> calling me? You have called me eight times today. I lied; it was five, but I said eight. And then, uh, then the guy on the other end. The scammer guy was actually kind of shocked. He was really eight times. I go, yes. I go, could you call and scam someone else? <laughs> and then the guy goes, oh. And then I hung up the phone. And then I was like, oh. And then I forgot my kid was in the car. And I was like, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. I yelled, but that man was trying to steal dad's money, <laughs> and he was a criminal. And I yelled at a criminal. Is that okay? And my, my kid was like, oh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so I was like, oh, he's a good kid. Like, he, he, he got, got it. it. He, you know, I, I didn't want him to, you know. Yeah, I just, when I get those repeated ones like that, I just block the number. I mean, I could have done that. You could have. There's a lot of things I could have done. Could have, should have, would have. You know what? You know what could have, should have, would have thinking is? Living in the You're past. Right. That creates depression. Get on the hammock, people. Stop being so glib, people, and get on the hammock. Upworthy Weekly is produced by Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week. Email us at UpworthyWeekly at Upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week. Is there a bear on your hammock? Are you having a hard time living in the now? Call me. 1-866-TODD-PERRY. That's Perry with one R. We'll get that bear off the hammock, and we'll get you in the now.